This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Thank you so much for joining us on another week, according to News Review, coming to you a day before it goes out on Saturday. And it's wonderful to have Lewis Brackpool back with us again. Lewis, thank you for your time, as always. Uh, thank you very much once again, Peter, for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Always good. You talk sense, so keep having you back. So whenever you stop talking sense, that's it, Lewis. You're out. I'll know. I'll know by that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you obviously can find Lewis on Twitter. Uh, that is there his uh, Twitter page, and there's a there's a kind of Miami retro feel which I like on the top of that. Where did that come from? Do you know what I think? I was <laughs> bored one day and just thought I need a brand design, and I just sat there and made it myself. Um, it, I think it needs a rebrand, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with Miami Vice for now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. Um, I enjoy it, so uh, cool. it's nice retro feel. That's always good going to Miami, and I feel as though I'm there. So I, I do like looking at that, Lewis. Keep it up. <laughs> Let's go on. I think the first story, one of the, the big stories over the last few days, um, is the uh, results in, uh, in Rochdale. And let me bring it up. And this is a r- strange, weird surprising result in a by-election, which obviously an MP, if he steps down, is charged with sex allegations, which does seem to happen more and more in the UK, or dies, uh, which happens maybe less than we have an election. And this is the wonderful David Atherton putting this up, just because it it looked good. Rochdale by-election, top six candidates, the Workers' Party. Um the workers party obviously it's george galloway and not the workers party what mm-hmm. what were your thoughts i'll leave this on the screen for a bit as, as we talk through it uh, what yeah. were your thoughts on this well i woke up to the news this morning and i thought bloody hell fair play i mean you know as much as i disagree with with galloway on on a lot of issues um it's politics at the end of the day what you're what what you're seeing is politics i mean he's he's managed to tap into the Muslim vote uh, and that has helped him with his results and quite clearly you can see um, that he's he's won he's managed to to wangle himself into Westminster once again uh, obviously he was a former uh, Labour MP once upon a time and of course Labour are having a catastrophic time especially with Azhar Ali uh, who came out and said about uh, Israel um, and Hamas saying that Israel allowed Hamas to um, to sort of waltz on into Israel and commit um, the attacks on October 7th. So that's damaged their, their campaign and completely derailed their candidate. Um, it's, you know, I had I had George Galloway to win uh, from from the very beginning. As soon as he announced, I thought, no, I think he's going to I think he's going to do very well in this. And some people said, no, no way. And I was on a live last night uh, chatting about it. And they said, well, who do you think is going to win then? And I said, George Galloway. And they all just laughed. Um, and I, and now I kind of, I feel like I should send them a text, actually, uh, just to sort of rub it in in a, in a really morbid way. Um, listen, 
with George Galloway, uh, we were just talking before this this live stream. I um, I don't know him, know him. Um, obviously, I disagree with a lot of what he says uh, in the past, and there's some things I do do agree with, like his his rally against net zero, the war in Ukraine, various other issues, Brexit, uh, which led a coalition when that when that was uh, happening. Um, and I've always he, we've always sort of remained. We sort of, I, I don't know, every now and then retweet something we agree with, and then that's kind of been left as that. Um, so I, I don't want to like just shout bad things at him because I don't necessarily know him as a person. However, I will say, campaigning on a war that's happening miles and miles away, it's it's the equivalent of me going and campaigning for to end the war in Ukraine uh, for a by election. Um, and then gaining the vote, it's, it seems a little bit crass uh, in my view. I could be totally wrong. And, you know, feel free to push back at me, Peter, if you think I'm I'm incorrect in that. But there is a bit of a crassness about it. I did see the, the letters that he was sending out. He was drafting letters uh, to Muslim voters differently to what he would do to like, uh, you know, non-Muslim voters. And it was completely different template it was a completely different message you know with the muslim vote it was focusing on gaza uh with non-muslims it was um it was to do with uh you know i'm uh, i'm a believer in god family values and it was the brexit vote it was smart it was a smart thing from from galloway and look it's it's completely paid off so i can't i can't knock him for that you know this is politics this is how it works um but that's my view uh, on it, Peter. Um, so it was a bit of a surprise, um, but I think I should text my mates who who thought that I was going to be in, in the wrong there. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, sorry, I'm just putting a tweet up. Lewis Brackpool, biggest supporter of George Galloway, <laughs> said, awesome. <laughs> that, that'll be good for you. No, I, I agree that when a, when, a, when a UK election is based on what has happened in the Middle East, I mean, I'm 100% Christian Zionist, but actually that's not really for UK politics. That's a different side of looking at it. Um, you've got the Muslim vote, similar to actually for US viewers and what's happened in Michigan um, in the primaries there, uh, whenever there was 15% of a Muslim bloc vote, and the Muslim bloc vote's much more powerful than the Christian bloc vote, which is zero in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and the other, so he's got him, he's obviously an old timer, he knows how the game is played, and I have huge respect for him because he knows how the game is yeah. played. I have little respect for him on his policies, but he is a thorn in the side to the establishment, which is also good. Yeah. And of course, uh, Reform did amazingly well in getting 1,900 votes, which, as I was saying before, is a great result for a local election, but not really for a general. So they must be licking their wounds. And I saw Richard Tice, um, just to say plague in other houses, uh, Richard Tice to come out and say, you know, we were intimidated, this isn't fair, blah, blah, blah. Come on, mate. If you yeah. can't get the results out, then you're not a proper political party. I agree. I totally agree. And I did see that he... Um, he was dishing it out to Gall Galloway and yes. Galloway turned around and said, uh, well, hang on a minute. You actually asked me to come and join reform. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so don't make me publish the text. And I thought it was very entertaining. So, you know what? Taking the rough with the smooth, it's actually made politics in the UK just that little bit more interesting.
I agree. I agree. Well, let's go on to, I was actually going to show one, so let me show a slightly different one. Let's go on to immigration figures here in the UK. And again, I will refer to our US viewers, our Warren Posse, and of course you had uh, your President Trump and the President Pretender Biden there at the border, and you've got a massive immigration issue. We also have an immigration issue which possibly pales into insignificance to what you face. But here are the latest results on visas. And this was from the wonderful father, Calvin Robinson. Um, uh, It was in his tweet. I've pulled out the actual figures that he put up. Um, And it's going up and up. So total work visas, 200,000 in 2019, up to 600,000 in 2023. So over a four-year period, it is tripled. Um, you've got study visas going up, a massive issue on mm-hmm. that foreign student, especially Chinese students coming, but that's the universities now uh, make their money. I think those are the total figures on the bottom. So up from 700, basically up from doubled from 700,000, from 700, yeah, from three quarters of a million to nearly one and a half million. Um, and of course, you've got the what, Ukraine sponsorship scheme in there, boosting yeah, the numbers. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, Immigration visas, and this is coming from a a so-called conservative government who I thought wanted to stop uh, immigration, mass immigration. Um, Lewis, uh, is this good or bad? This is very bad. Um, And I say that that with such a sigh because 14 years of Tory government and it's just continuing the Tony Blair project. And that's all I've, that's all I see. That's all I see. This is just the continuation of of the Blairite era, and what what do we do now? Like, what's the, what's the what's the solution? I can't even give one. It's just I'm just complaining now. <laughs> That's all I'm doing on Twitter. Because what else can I do? You know, I know we've we've covered immigration a lot uh, on Hearts of Oak together, and it's just the same old thing. It's like. Well, the Tories are at it again, and it's and there's no solution anymore. It's just the continuation. I'm hoping um, the next general election that they that the Tories get wiped out. If I'm yep. totally honest, because they deserve it, uh, because they've been such a letdown to the British people. You know, I think it's over eighty percent of Brits um, agree that that immigration is too high in the UK and something needs to be done about it. <clears throat> Don't quote me on the 80%, uh, definitely fact check that. Um, but it's a majority of the British public. And we've just been let down again and again and again. And it's unsurprising to see this. I think we'd probably jump up in joy if the figure wasn't um, 1.3 million, it was actually 400,000 or 500,000. I think people would <laughs> leap up in joy with that. But even that is still high because you're adding. It's all adding. And I don't know. I don't know, Peter. I mean, what's the solution? I don't know. But I, I the thing is, I don't even see a political solution in the UK. I mean, nope. what's happening across Europe with all the populist parties across Europe and, um, and centre-right parties will take a, a majority in the European Parliament, for, I think, for the first time ever. But yeah. then you look at us here in poor Blighty and... Uh, reform or Tory light, so I can't see them doing anything. So we literally have no populist party on the right that's holding the government to account. And Sunak's going to get out, not really 
because reform are a threat, much more because people just say, well, it's red or blue and we're bored of this, so we'll go to that. Yeah. Um, that's the only the only reason why. Um, yeah, and, and again, I'll go back forward because I'm so um, pissed off at even how they treat Lee Anderson. But that's, we'll touch on that in a bit. Sure. But they have got a open goal to actually grab onto this and they touch on immigration a bit. They refuse to engage on any of the culture wars. Um, and this is an opportunity for a new party to come. Um, and they seem to be kind of held back because they seem to be doing the bidding of, of the, the Tory party and as a let-off alpha, not really as a threat. And and they should be saying, well, we're going to get down to 10 to thousands within two, three years of getting in. We will push every boat back. Uh, we will actually have boats in the channel uh, to push them back. Uh, anyone who is rejected, that's done within 14 days and they're straight back to their country or they go to some prison on some Scottish Outer Hebrides Island. And that will change this. I mean, there's so many ways of doing this if you're tough on crime. But if you're if you're if you're weak on all of this, then what is the point of the Tory party if actually yeah. they're not tough on crime? You know, just to add as well. Um, so I last week, I'm not going to name names, but last week I went for a coffee with a political party leader and no, it wasn't Richard Tice. Um, and joint uh, reform saying that's another tweet. Awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was George Galloway, actually. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, so. We went, I went for a coffee, right, um, this political party leader, and we were having a long chat. Um, and he said, and he's on the right, and he said, you know, probably best case scenario uh, through the general election is a hung parliament between Labour and Lib Dem, and Lib Dems push through proportional representation so that smaller parties can come in. And I was like, you know, what? I can't argue with that. That yep. is probably the best outcome. So that way, smaller parties can start making their voices heard. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that PR is on the cards for 2020, 2025 at least. Mm. We'll see. That is best case scenario. I don't mm. know what the odds are in that. I don't know if no. I'll bet all that, but I would agree with you. That is a best case scenario. Yeah. 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 Okay. Following the immigration theme, just to make you more depressed, it is taxpayers' bill for hotels and asylum support hits yeah. 5.4 billion pounds. This is in the, the Daily Mail. As small boat numbers soar, um, go shell out 5.4 billion, 15 million a day. Rocketing costs force the Home Office to secure extra 4 billion from the Treasury to cover a massive overspend on asylum accommodation. You notice, I'm just so glad that we have got such a massive surplus that actually money can be handed out like this. Yeah, it's yes. great. Yeah, I can't believe it. Who'd have thought a magic money tree would even exist, you know, in within Westminster? <laughs> wow. I don't know what to say, Peter. I'm sorry. I don't know what to add um, to this. It's just proving that there is a problem time and, a and time and time again, and it's been a problem for decades. And now the figures are coming out to show, actually, this is a net negative what is happening. So I, I'm sorry, Peter, I've got nothing else to add other than I'm more depressed. <laughs> well, I, I just because there are some good Tory MPs. I mean, they're fewer and fewer probably as um, yeah. as as time goes on. Uh, and it was actually, did you see, I saw, no, I didn't see, sorry. I 
saw the tweet about it, about Suella Braverman getting interviewed by uh, Trigonometry. Um, And it was curious, not because I'm a great fan necessarily of of that media outlet, but uh, she was saying she could do more work outside government than she could within, which is a a massive indictment. And yet we've had her, Suella Braverman, we had Pretty Patel, to love by the right of the party, and yet did zero and i can't accept that politicians have zero power i understand the 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 home office I understand the civil service actually pushing back on everything um but i i can't accept that a government minister heading up a department is utterly powerless mm. um and that does mean full on deep state i guess yeah well absolutely and you know i'm going to just say this with my chest I think the country is being ran by the civil service and an activist class within that. Yeah. Um, and that's that's my that's my view. The reason why I do think that, because people say, well, how can you prove that? And it's like, well, I haven't got names. <laughs> I can't point to a specific person. We've heard that Nadine Doris talks about Michael Gove and he has a clique within <clears throat> Westminster that seemed to be able to lobby its own government and has the power to do this on top of that just take just take the home office as an example a lot of people within the home office have expressed pro high mass immigration views and that shows that shows with the outcome on top of this when suella braverman um was kicked out um of the home office a lot of people celebrated within um this institution so that leads me to believe that they aren't impartial, that there is an activist class seeping within, and there is a collaborative effort to push through far left ideologies. Yeah. And, you know, I know Liz, Liz Truss went to America recently and she got lambasted for, for talking about the deep state in that respect. And to a lot of people who don't delve into that, it does seem a bit kooky. But let's be honest, with the patterns that have been set, by uh, the activist class in the Home Office, within the institutions, within Westminster, she's actually being proved right. And that's sad to say, really, because I don't really want to be on the same side as the Tory party in that respect. But it it seems to me that there is an activist class and that they are thwarting, um, they are thwarting policies that the British people are being let down by, you know? Yeah, no, I'm 100%, and I watched that and was so jealous I didn't make it to CPAC, but 100% deep state, and she is calling it out, and she's going to face a a barrage, uh, but I think she's 100% right. Whether or not she has the metal to actually lead the country, I don't know, but if she ever did get in again, then she does understand the situation, maybe similar to Trump, although very different, shorter periods, but at least she is aware of the battle she faces but that's the only kind of thing I can see in that. But I'm sure Nigel will be wanting to lead the party instead. But that's a whole other here. So on to vaccine. On to vaccine harm. Even more great on, news. We're not on YouTube. So death, destruction, the country burning to the crowd. Lewis brings you all the joy today. So we may, <laughs> I don't even have a, a meme or cartoon to finish on. But anyway, let's, it is Andrew Bridgen, actually, who is 
awesome in highlighting this. And here's his tweet, and then I'll play the video. So here's his tweet. This morning I asked Penny Mordant, oh, for a debate in government time on those who commit crimes against humanity and the appropriate punishment for those people. The leader of the House's response says it all. They all know what has and what is being perpetrated against the people. Let me just play uh, this. I think it's about a, one and a half minutes. And it's really interesting what she says. Uh, here she is. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. I've always opposed capital punishment uh, on uh, the principle that it's wrong to take a life, so it can't be right for the state to take a life uh, in revenge. Uh, events have caused me to reconsider my position. So, Madam Deputy Speaker, can we have a debate on crimes against humanity and the appropriate punishment for those who perpetuate, uh, collude and cover up for these atrocities, atrocities and crimes so severe that the ultimate punishment may be required? Um, I think the um, Honourable Gentleman's incredibly subtle question uh, is not lost on uh, anyone this House where he might be taking it. Um, it is appropriate that um, the finale of this session, which has featured so heavily conspiracy theories, um, should fall to the Honourable Gentleman. Um, and I would just caution him also just to reflect uh, with the things that have been said uh, about uh, his own behaviour, what he does on social media, the security measures that are perhaps to be stepped up for Honourable Members in this place in the wake of some of his social media tweets and questions in this house. Whatever I uh, my disagreements with the Honourable Gentleman, I will always stand ready to get answers from departments uh, and assist the Honourable Gentleman in his work. But I'm going to call out on every occasion uh, when he is doing things that are, I think, a danger to our democracy and also the safety and security of members of this house. So, um, he is a danger to democracy. Brilliant. Uh, what? Uh, yeah, Penny Mordant, uh, one of the big faces of the deep state. Mm. Um, yeah, give me your thoughts. It's unsurprising, given that answer. You know, the word conspiracy theory just or theorist just thrown around like that once again. Um, danger to democracy, really? Um, what, as he asks a question? Okay, in in the House of Commons. Okay, all right. Okay, uh, I don't understand how that makes sense personally. Um, there's a reason why he's elected there and asking questions. Um, yeah, I'm I'm bored. I tell you, what, I'm bored yeah. of hearing the word conspiracy theorist. I'm I'm bored of hearing the words danger to democracy. Um, if anything, they've proven that democracy is pretty much an illusion within this mm. country. So it's a bit rich coming from Penny Morden to say such a thing. Um, it does seem to me that Andrew Bridgen is literally the only one, the only MP in Westminster that is talking about this issue um, and that there is no one else. Um, and I think with that comes alienation within yeah. Westminster. And it's really sad um, to actually see. And whatever your view is on, on on Andrew Bridgen, what he is doing, raising the issues of vaccine injury and harm, um, and actually saying that it is a crime against humanity, and, you know, mentions the death penalty uh, for people that colludes or potentially uh, has perpetrated this crime, 
is more than any MP has said in such a long time. Long, long time as even anyone mentioned some sort of appropriate punishment for those people. So it's unsurprising, the answer from Penny Morden. It's depressing uh, and it's also boring. Um, but that's my thoughts. I agree. And it is, we'll, we'll jump on the story in a moment. But on, on that, for her to say that his, it was an ominous threat. I'm just imagining as as that as she's responding, the 77th Brigade are, are ruling out a, another <laughs> attack on Andrew because she was telling him she, it was ominous warning that what he is doing online is putting everyone at risk, their lives at risk in Parliament. Nothing to do with the group of Muslims outside uh, making MPs fear for their lives, supposedly, which I don't think is true. But actually, no, no, th that's not a problem. The Bane mob outside, actually, it's 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 Andrew Bridgen and his tweets. That's what's actually causing them to fear for their lives. Uh, as I grow a pair, or, yeah. or, or I know she's big on trans, so maybe she does, I don't know. But it that, that ominous thread, I thought that was dark and wasn't yeah. needed. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, she's she's said some quite sinister things anyway in in the past. I know that they've clashed heads a lot uh, within the House of Commons, and she said some things that are a bit like, mm, "Really? Why are you saying that?" So yeah, no, I agree. It's it's dark. It's sinister, and the illusion of democracy just shows itself. Really, mm. it's just where's the representation? There are so many people that have been harmed and you know are bereaving through uh because of the vaccine yeah and there's no there's no one else talking about it other than him and it's it's such a damn shame it is a damn shame so you know i i don't i don't trust politicians as you know um and i why would you but i do support bridgen in his um his crusade against <sighs> crusade against this absolute madness uh, i don't i don't know how to word it properly in that in that sense um yeah, yeah. No, i agree well this is a bit of this might be the good news you've been waiting for lewis uh we're we're 25 minutes in and bang here's here's a spot of good news medicines and this is the first time this has happened in the uk medicines regulator failed to fly covid vaccine side effects and must be investigated all party group believe MHRA with the Medical Health and Regulatory Authority, I think, were aware, which is basically the CDC in the UK, uh, were aware of heart and clotting issues in February 2021, but did not highlight the problems for several months. Um, so they're calling for the the yeah the Medicine and Healthcare Regulatory Agency, uh, which is responsible for approving drugs, just the CDC, um, for them to be investigated and this is 25 mps i'll bring up the list of mps just to refer to some of them but to me this is a breakthrough and andrew bridgen obviously has led the way and he has pulled together a grouping and they are now asking these questions it may be too little too late but i think this is i would go as far as to say it is a game changer within parliament on mm -hmm. Because it's no longer one that can be dismissed as bringing the house uh, into danger. It's now twenty-five, and that's less easy to dismiss. Yeah, absolutely. And and 
you know, people have become very, very cynical because of this particular era, the COVID era, all to do with the vaccines. It's it's made a lot of people, including myself, very cynical and now very untrustworthy of what comes next. Let's say if something like this happens again and they ask again, you've got to take this new uh, booster or new type of, of vaccine that can prevent or, you know, I'm going to be sceptical. Naturally, everyone is. So in a way, it's good news, I agree, because it's going to show it's going to show that in the future people will be hesitant. And on top of this, <sighs> it's what it's gonna do, right? I'm gonna be, I'm just gonna be totally honest. Go, because I here I'm running for the hills. Whenever they have another, you're not putting that near me, you psychopath. Um, no, yeah, sorry, yeah, exactly. Literally, <laughs> I. I I just can't believe I can't believe that they think they can get away with this yeah. like completely three years this has taken yeah. how is it that people like me and you who don't have access to to you know parliament and, and you know speak around the circles how yeah. is it that we knew that something was up but yet we were called conspiracy theorists we were called um you know anti-vaxxers or whatever you know smeared to the high heavens Everyone was. Even social media, if you spoke about it, you were flagged. You were taken down a pedestal. Your engagement was cut. People were banned left, right and centre for even pointing this out. And three years later, we've been vindicated. But yeah. it's weird because people like us, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't, I don't want an apology. That's not what I kind of want. I just want accountability, you know? And... I can't believe it's taken three years to even get some sort of progress from this. It, I mean, great. Finally, something. That's great. Three years. My days. I know. And I am actually, along with Andrew Bridgen, I think people need to suffer massive penalties. I agree. Um, and I think, actually, for the evil that's been committed, and if they did know about it, which I'm sure they did, um, then capital punishment maybe should be ruled out. And for the first time ever, I mean, even when I took a look at the grooming gangs and childhood, I can't I can't bring myself to say um, it could go that far. I think they should be locked away for life and never get out again. But actually, on this, I if you're willing to cause death and destruction to so many people, then that level of evil has to be punished. Um, so I kind of understand where Andrew Bridget's is coming from and I'm beginning to lean that way also. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny about the death penalty. I, I was against for a long time, hmm. a long, long time. And even becoming a Christian, I was against. But then I read, you know, a little bit more about the law of Moses hmm. and uh, looked into <laughs> that a little bit more. And then I realized, hang on a minute, I might be wrong. Um, yeah. Maybe the death penalty for things... Um, as grave as this mm. is warranted um, under yep. a fair trial, of course, um, fair trial, fair hearing. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm leaning towards it now. I think Connor Tomlinson, as you know, has been on this show before. Yeah, uh, I think he he actually um, made me think. Actually, no, you're, you're right. The death penalty. Actually, uh, do you know what it is? You can create the vehicle, but it depends who's driving it. Mm. So I think I advocate for the death penalty for heinous crimes 
but not under this government. Like things need to be taken away and repealed. The red tape needs to be removed before something like that can be introduced again. So there's nuance to it. So it's like I'm for the death penalty now, but I'm not for it in this current situation, in these dire circumstances, like with with government, with policy. We need to repeal back Tony Blair legislation yeah. for 30 years at least to uh, in order to bring something in like that. Otherwise, we're just adding. We're just adding more and more policy where we need to be repealing. Um, so, yeah. I agree. No, there's zero trust in this government or any of our institutions, so why hand that power to them? So I should get Connor on actually to talk about that. That'd be a fascinating yeah. topic. We haven't. Uh, let me just bring up, just to bring up, to show the viewers, uh, that APPG, the all-party parliamentary group. Uh, and is that scrolling? Yep. So you've got uh, you've got many of these groupings, cross-party groups that highlight issues you've got. 500 maybe of them with them uh the co-chairs uh grim stringer who i know has always been a very good labor mp lord strachan not sure uh good old sammy wilson who we've had on before dup from northern ireland strong and supported andrew bridgen uh baroness morsey i've always always liked her and then you go in mariam coates i've really liked her because of her pro-life stand although she did say jab all the pregnant mothers so that didn't really make sense uh kill mm. the babies that way um Ian Dungmuth, yeah. Don Butler, I mean, I, I, I can't even, I'm not even going to say anything. Graham Brady, I knew what was happening. I met doctors. Um, I've talked to um, Tess Laurie and had met with John O'Looney and I met many and yet turned a blind eye. So that grin doesn't wash with me. Uh, Ian Paisley, oh, the awesome Ian Paisley Jr., Philip Davis MP, again, solid. Uh, so you go through a number of them, Paul Gervin, uh, DUP MP in Northern Ireland. There are quite a number of of good people. And I think that actually that is that is fairly positive. I just want to bring up some of those names because there are positives in that and there are some good names. Um, let's just touch on the just, well, just like two minutes on the, just to highlight uh, the change in ONS figures um, and how oh, they yes. report. Uh this is a, what, bit and switch? Is that what uh, Andrew Bridget was talking about? UK slashes excess death estimate. Wonderful news. After announcing new calculation scheme. Okay. So the ON, I know. Um, that Using a new method, the office reported nearly two-thirds fewer deaths uh, to the number of excess deaths that previously calculated. It's full on 1984, isn't it? Newspeak just changed the definitions of terms and you can win. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw when this came out and I just, I'm sorry, I I just sort of went, here we go again. Like another cover up, another, they know, they know they have a problem. They know there is a problem with excess deaths and it's just, it's spiralled out of their own control where they've realised actually this is looking very, very bad. So what a coincidence that they've rolled out a, t a new type of calculation to bring those down. Oh look, actually, we're actually low, lower than than you actually expected. Oh really? Oh, that's that timing was very, uh, <laughs> very coincidental. Um, okay. It's unsurprising, Peter. Once again, I mean, it's unsurprising from many aspects of government doing these these types of tactics. I mean, what is the ulterior motive here? Is it to is it to prevent 
the real calculations of excess deaths being shown? Why did they decide to change this now? Like, what's the motive for this? Why, why are they focused on changing the way things are calculated with excess deaths now? Um, you just got to ask those questions, and I'm sure we would be able to find the answer very quickly. Yeah, when the truth becomes uncomfortable, just change the data, and then you exactly. get a different story. Uh, some completely different. Uh, Dan Wooten. Mm-hmm. And this is a story Dan Wooten for our non-UK viewers uh, was, well, he actually worked in the Sun, I think, head of their, head of politics or something very high up in the Sun, brought over to GB News, our supposed Fox News, uh, and both Fox and GB News have gone down the pan. Uh, he was one of their big anchors, probably the biggest, the most high profile person, I think, coming over early on. Uh, there were sexual allegations um, mm-hmm. and he was then suspended, not only because of that, but because of supporting Loza. Uh, and it's been proved that actually the allegations were nonsense. Uh, and The Guardian have had to issue groveling apology because they jumped in and named him. Uh, so what were, I mean, I don't know, Dan Wooden, I actually had huge respect for Calvin because when I saw these things, um, I, as so, as Somebody who's very conservative, I maybe looked at that and was slightly judgmental, not yeah. knowing him. I thought, well, you know, your homosexual lifestyle, you know, I'm sure it's true. And and seeing Calvin's response of loyalty uh, to him uh, and then watching this come out, and I realized, well, I was wrong in my first response, uh, but then I wouldn't have put up any comments because you would hold yeah. back until justice is done. So yeah, Dan Wooten um, been proved that actually the allegations were were nonsense and the Guardian has to apologise and pay out. So all sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I when this came out, I decided I'm not going to post anything. I'm not going to I'm not going to jump to a conclusion because it was the Byline Times that first reported it. Can I trust the byline times as far as I can throw? No. So I thought, okay, well, I'll take this with a pinch of salt to start with. Um, Now, fair play to to Dan because he he hasn't said anything. I don't think he's been completely inactive. He's taken himself off of social media, uh, essentially. Still got his accounts, of course, but he never said anything. Um, And... I think Charlie Sansom, very good friend, he, um, he I think he tweeted out uh, something regarding it, saying that, you know, fair play to him. I think he he played his cards right because he just stayed focused. He, he, he got off of social media and just waited and then allowed for the truth for, to unravel. So it must be, I can only imagine when you're thrown allegations like that, serious allegations mm. like that, and you're, you're a high-profiled um, news uh, host uh, and presenter. That's a lot of pressure on someone. It, I mean, I just thinking about it. I mean, that that must have been hell on earth, yeah. uh, having to sit there and um, and see everyone posting about it all over social media. I mean, that must have been grueling, knowing that it wasn't true. Um, listen, I don't know much about the story. I I didn't want to get involved. The reason why I didn't want to get involved is because I didn't know enough. I didn't. I don't mm. like the idea of people jumping on and just coming to a conclusion um, when all it is is an article and then an investigation was opened 
and you allow that investigation to take place and then the evidence will come out. It's like um, it's like when people were trying to guess who the BBC presenter was and it turns out it was Hugh Edwards. Yeah. You know, people were trying to guess and things like that. I didn't want to get involved with that because yeah. A, I didn't want to be sued <laughs> for a start yeah. and I don't think it's right to jump, try and jump to a conclusion before the evidence has emerged. So um, fair play to Dan for, for you know, being, well, for, for, for waiting and for um, allowing it to unravel and for allowing the truth just to, just to come out organically. So, and, you know, getting a paycheck from the Guardian, that's a big win. So, it is, it so is a big win. And yeah, I've got a lot of respect for him for how he acted and, and sat back and waited um, and let it take, take its course. And of course, this does, and I feel strongly, you cannot name people unless, um, unless they've been convicted of something, unless they're charged. I mean, there there is a process and it destroys people's lives whenever allegations come out. And it shows that some anonymous... Um, I was going to swear there. Some anonymous little individual can make allegations online and that can destroy your life and they get away scot-free. And there are people who do this. You talk to Caroline yep. Farrow. There are people who do this as a living because they yep. get money. And it's a serious sick. problem. It's a I serious, know. serious problem. And in the age of social media where everyone's trying to strive for engagement clicks, who gets the best tweet, you know, who rises to the top of the timeline, uh, that's... That has dire consequences and people people go away with the fairy sometimes and decide, well, I'm just going to do, a, you know, I'm just going to talk about Dan Wooten nonstop and, you know, yeah. throw these allegations and say, well, they, they're true. They could be true. How do you not know? You know, and you're like, take a step back, wait for the evidence. Don't have to jump in and give your view immediately. Um, but um yeah, fair, okay. fair play to Dan for how he's handled it and managed to get uh, a good paycheck from The Guardian as well. That's good news. Very well, good news. Completely. When when clicks, likes, views, clickbait, whenever that's always Trump's truth, uh, that's the mm. position we're in the society. Uh, let's, Tommy Robbins got a mention this week in Parliament. Uh, let me play the video and then just show his, his tweet, just like 20 seconds. Eight. She also remained silent as Tommy Robinson, that right-wing thug, was described as a hero. Why is he allowing her to stand as a Tory MP at the next election? Well, M Mr Speaker, I don't believe a single member of this House supports Tommy Robinson, Mr Speaker. But, but Mr Speaker... Uh, I don't know if that's true, but anyway, here's Tommy's tweet. <laughs> I wear this as a badge of honour. Please shout far wide. Uh, Keir Summer takes stand to calls me a right-wing thug. Uh, and he goes on. Mm. Um, again, this fits into the the, the Rochdale kind of by-election that instead of, let me remove that, um, instead of the, the grooming gang issue being talked about, which is the big thing, it's everything else. Um, and I did I did love the way uh, not only Keir Stammer, the supposed opposition, uh, actually named Tommy Robinson, but then Rishi Sunak did. So he got two mentions by the Prime Minister in opposition in 30 yeah. seconds. It's I bet he loved Crazy. It. But it's, it's just he... so weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't even, I don't even think Tommy's even right wing, is he? No. I, I'm pretty no. sure he, I've seen his political compass and he's more sort of an old school Labourite. 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's so that's interesting. Um, so what you're saying is left wing thug? Is that what you're no. saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's Antifa. Uh, <laughs> no, um, no, I was I was surprised they mentioned him actually because you know of course. Of course, it's you know in in the in the framing of a smear, mm. people are afraid to even mention uh, Tommy's name uh, anywhere. Um, yeah, I think yeah, like you said, I think it does fit in with the with the Rochdale uh, by election as well. And I think he Keir Starmer, I think, has failed on that one really because let's be honest, a lot of people, um, a lot of uh, the British public do support Tommy. Um, yeah. There's a there's a vast amount. Tommy can pull crowds, whether you like him or not. He can pull crowds in, and you know, get people organised and get people um, to a specific location and protest. Um, he's done it so many times before. So whether you agree with him or like him or dislike him or think he's whatever, he does have support. He does a ma- he has a massive support network, and I would argue probably more than someone like Keir Starmer, because mm. really he's just the head of a, of a political party that people people vote out of spite. You know, people say, well, I'm not going to vote Conservatives, I'll just vote Labour, you know, but they're not voting for him. They don't like him as a person, what he actually stands for. Because, you know, what was the nickname that they gave Keir Starmer? Is it Captain Hindsight uh, for a while? So, <laughs> you know... Uh, so. What did... Don't tell me he was in, he was involved in the CPS or around yeah. uh, Jimmy Savile. No, surely not. Oh, surely not. No, yeah, you can't you can't talk about that. <laughs> you know that might derail his campaign. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was a bit of a shock um, to to hear to hear Tommy's name in the House of Commons in in that, but um, unsurprising with what they're saying. To be honest, uh, I mean, I, I get along with Tommy personally. Um, you know, so yeah, I, he has a lot of support and he has a lot of people, whether you agree with him or not, I think let's be honest, he probably has more support than, um, the opposition quote unquote, um, within Westminster. Not completely. Um, and I've known Tim for 16 years and, um, I've ended up being on his uncensored podcast coming up in a few weeks, uh, which was right. a, which is a nice surprise, but yeah, someone who stands for, what they believe ideals um is is flawed like us all but actually wants to highlight injustice and then you look to Keir Stammer and you think what does he stand for actually yeah. all he stands for is getting down on his knee for BLM BS and Captain Einstein oh yeah so actually doesn't stand for anything um okay so let's finish off with this story on Lee Anderson actually um and whenever Whenever Al Sharpton gets involved, you think, what What kind of crazy world are we in? Al <laughs> Sharpton, uh, comments such as these by Lee Anderson, disparingly racist. Civil rights leader, Reverend Al Sharpton, um, if only got involved in the civil rights of, of uh, white English girls who are raped by Muslim rape gangs, but obviously that's not the civil rights he's interested in, has labelled comments such as those by MP Lee Anderson made about City Council's Barney racist. Ms. Anderson was suspended from the Conservative Party last weekend after refusing to apologise for claiming Islamists had control over London and its mayor, Mr. Khan. Um, and Sky News, of course, wants on on the right, on the side of the people and just become 
BBC-esque. Uh, Rev Sharpner said the UK had seen the alliance of using racism, Islamophobia and homophobia as a political weapon. Um, I thought it was spot on statement by uh, by Lee Anderson, and I would have said actually uh, hardcore Islamic or extreme Islamic elements, because I don't think there's anything such any concept such as Islamism, because that has never existed in Islam until what ten years ago when it was coined as an easy way to separate. But yeah, calling calling out Islamism or Islam, criticizing that ideology. I did know that Islam was a race, but maybe it yeah. is. <laughs> well, this is it, and you know, I've, I've, I, I have to admit, um, with you, Peter, I've flip flopped a bit uh, with regard to the Lee Anson comments because I was on TNT um, last week uh, on Abby Roberts' show, and she asked mm. me about Lee Anderson, you know, what, what do you think of the, the comments? And I said at the time, I said actually, I disagree. The reason why I said that at the time was I think. When we're talking about things such as immigration and mass immigration and things like that, you it's such it's such a you have to almost not dance around the subject, but you have to be you have to be cautious when you when you speak about things, especially if you're in the ma- mainstream light and you're trying to um, get the public on, on on side and trying to understand the issue. Um, but then I realised actually that I made a mistake by saying that I disagreed with with Lee Anderson, I didn't extrapolate. I said, I disagree with some of the, some of the use was a bit clumsy, like he even admits, but the premise of what he is saying is correct. And I wish I'd have clarified that. Um, Cause it looked like, yeah, that I was pretty much flip-flopping with regards to Lee Anderson's comment. Um, with regards to uh, Sadiq Khan, he was taking aim at. He wasn't just taking aim at Sadiq Khan. He was taking aim at Keir Starmer too. Yeah. You know, so so the idea that this was predicated on attacking Khan um, for him being a Muslim um, is ridiculous because he was going after Keir Starmer in the next sentence. So I I think it was completely. It was always cut up that clip to show that he was attacking Khan. Mm. And it's being used as a way to say that he was Islamophobic when that's, you know, a silly term, um, that it was racist. I've noticed it's racist and Islamophobic. So I'm like, hang on a minute. Like he didn't, A, he didn't mention skin colour or nation at all. He was speaking about two people. He was speaking about Keir Starmer too. And and the intimidation uh, and the control, if you will, um, over over them both. If you want to extrapolate that a bit more, what does he mean by control? Does he mean finance? Does he mean positions of power? Does he mean mob rule? I would argue that two of those things um, hold up in terms of mob rule, in terms of intimidation. You can only look at the, um, the, the is it Batley, uh, yep. grammar school teacher yep. who's now still in hiding. Um, you can look at all sorts of examples uh, over the last 10 years, let alone 20 years, of examples of intimidation uh, tactics used to get a specific group their own way. So the idea that it's racist and Islamophobic is absolutely nonsensical. It's absolutely nonsensical. It's interesting watching politicians dance around a problem that they are too scared to even talk about, you know? 
uh, and, is. and that's that's to me very cowardice you're going to up security but you're not going to address the problem really come yeah. on no i i um the two things are one the the met police not actually engaging uh with and I think you should be able to be on the street and express hate of any ideology. I don't think sure. hate should be illegal because we can't ban emotions. Um, but if MPs said they felt as if they were going to be murdered, which is what they were saying, yes. what the Speaker of the House said, then the MEP should have been arresting all those people that are inciting uh, murder. Inciting hatred is one thing. I have a, an issue with actually arresting people on that. If yeah. someone is inciting murder, that's a different thing. And if MPs suddenly felt they were going to be murdered, then those people need to be arrested. The Met Police did nothing. The Met Police are city calm. Um, so that's on that issue. But then the other side is, if you're MP... People have fallen over themselves using the word Islamism to talk about political Islam, radical Islam, as separate from the religious. So if they're now saying, talking about Islamism, is Islamophobic. There's an Islamism as Islam. And yeah, you watch them jumping through these hoops, trying to stay safe from the the, the woke mob and to keep them happy, um, and yet falling over themselves because what they're saying is just nonsense, is just an alphabet soup of, of utter gibberish. Um, and to me, it's quite comical watching that, but then not if we have an Islamophobia definition that comes in legally um, and everyone gets jailed who critiques the ideology of Islam. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a free speech absolutist. So, mm. you know, exactly what like what you said, you know, if, if people go out in the street and shout, hateful things how can you criminalize that what what who defines what is what is hateful and what isn't you know one person might take something one way another person might take something another so it's down by individual case by case like on that basis um but when incitement to murder i mean we've seen with joe cox uh david amos yeah. And is it Greer that has been intimidated with firebombs? Was it uh, what, who's that MP recently who um, who was intimidated? Supposedly, but that's when they Supposedly. said it. I, I I don't I don't put any credence in it. Okay, but yes, yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. Yeah. So yeah. So apologies if that was completely incorrect. But um, yeah. My point is is there, there's a line, really, isn't there? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's there's going out and there's saying what you believe, but then there's incitement. And that's against the law. And what's what's being applied is the reverse. I'm seeing that people that are saying things that, that are hatred, that are, that are considered hateful, not necessarily from this particular mob, yeah. but uh, or protest group. It's the other way. It's it's people that are inciting um, violence and inciting, um, you know, jihad or murder mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, they seem to be getting away with it. I saw the Met Police as well post on Twitter when uh, a guy was literally calling for uh, a jihad uh, in the street. And people try and say, well, there's a different definition for jihad, you know, things like that. Um, I think it was in the context of a nation. It was in, it was in a context of um, attacking uh, people within a nation. So you can't really get away with that. But the Met Police cleared it and said, no, we've, we've investigated and it's not hateful and it has many meanings it's like oh you're doing you're not yep. you're not addressing the problem you're see, there's quite clearly a problem and you're just refusing to address it because you're you're appeasing 
And that's not good. That's really not good. And the problem is politicians are creating their own hurdles. Um, And with these alphabet soups that they just can't, they're just dancing around the problem. And it's like you need to address it head on, that there is a problem. Right. What can we do to to provide a solution? What can we do to prevent um, uh, people being murdered or people being um you know having violent attacks on or you know threats of firebombs and and you know all these all these sorts of things like they 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 create their own hurdles for this to talk about it a hundred percent and uh, the only incitement i would want to like to be involved is an incitement for people to be more christian more christ-like and that's actually that that would that would be a, a good response love your neighbor more uh treat other people respect more put others first um that that, that would be a that would be a good excitement, I think, for a country. But yeah, we, yeah, we agree on that 100%. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Be more Christ-like. Absolutely. So, Lewis, I love you. Love having you on. Thank you so much for your time today um, and for giving us your insights on those depressing pieces of news with a little <laughs> bit of silver lining in the middle, I think. So yeah. thanks so much. No, thank you so much, Peter. It's always been a pleasure coming on. And anytime you want me back on, just, uh, just give me a shout. Oh, thank you so much. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.